right. Well, good morning again, everyone. If you are new, welcome. My name is Kyle. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we are uh, in the middle of updating some of our lighting. And so if you see a flicker behind me, that's because this is the beta test, okay? We're working out some kinks. And so just do your best to ignore a flicker, okay? All right. And we'll get it worked out in the next couple weeks here. Also want to welcome those of you joining us online as well. Thanks for tuning in wherever you are today. Well, we are in a series called The Blessed Life. And uh, this is based off of a book by Pastor Robert Morris, who pastors Gateway Church down in Dallas, Texas, and so that book is available. We uh, had it out there the first week of the series, and we sold all of the copies in first service, and so if you want a copy, it's 10 bucks, and I would encourage you. Uh, we're taking uh, a lot of this content from that book as well as some of my own, and just want to encourage you to read that book. It's, it's what changed my life a few years ago and the way I approach generosity and really what it means to be blessed and to live a blessed life, and I, I know it'll do the same for you as we continue on in this series. So as we've kind of defined what is the blessed life, because everybody kind of has a different idea of maybe what it means to be blessed for the series sake, and what I believe the biblical sake is that the blessed life means really having supernatural power, God's power working for you, for your benefit on your behalf. And the blessed life is something where I believe blessing can kind of permeate every area of your life, whether it's your finances, your, your health, your relationships, your, your careers, your thoughts, whatever that may be, is that we can be blessed and God has the blessed life prepared for us if we can kind of apply these spiritual truths, these biblical truths to our life. And in week one of this series, we, we said kind of the key that we have to understand, and it kind of starts with our heart, is that the key to a blessed life is a generous life. Jesus said in, in Acts 20, 35, Jesus was quoted, and he says we should remember the words of the Lord Jesus himself, and we've heard this before, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, right? He says it's blessed, to, to be blessed, you're going to have more blessing in your life not as you receive, and that's what we think it is, the more I can get and the more I have, that's the more blessed I'm going to feel. He says, no, it's, it's actually the opposite, that you're going to feel that you're going to be more blessed as you give away, not as you take in. And so as we move on in this series, today I have to, I have to ask a question before we do, and it's a simple one, but it's really kind of where we need to be in order to kind of go into the topic today, and it's this, is, is do you trust me? Okay, two people do, thank you. Do you trust me? Okay, and, and now look, I know some of you are new here, and, and, and I get that it takes time to build relationship and trust, but for those of you who call this your, your, your church home, and if, if you call me your pastor, I would hope that you would trust me, and that you would know from, from our time together, and that the consistency that I've been able to teach you over the last few years, that, that I love you, and every week I do my very best to communicate the Word of God to you in a way that will challenge you, that will hopefully apply to your life, and help get you to a place where you're fully surrendering your life to the call of God that he has for you. And in some weeks, I, I hit some issues that you struggle with, right? Some weeks, I hit some that, that, that maybe you, you have a little bit more victory in, in your life and that you've, you've been able to overcome some of those things. But, but my job and my responsibility is to speak the entire truth of God's word to you. Not just what I think will make you happy and what will make you feel good and, and you'll walk out of here every week feeling like you're killing it, but, but that... That there's, there's some truth that, that I need to communicate sometimes that you may struggle with. But the Bible says it's the truth that sets you free, right? And so for some of you, your finances have been locked up. They're not free. They're not experiencing the blessing that God has for you. And today I'm going to speak on a topic that 
what statistics would tell us on the, the church-wide, not just our church, but, but church-wide, about 80% of you struggle with this topic. That you're not really uh, applying what I believe this spiritual truth to your life. But I have a responsibility to give you the entire truth of God's word, not just part of it. And as far as this series go and the key to the blessed life, this is a very important message. But I want to say this first before we get into it, is that condemnation is not from God, okay? That is from the enemy. And if you ever feel guilt or shame that God's shaming you or you feel guilty, you know, and that you just can't do it because the enemy uses condemnation to pretty much get you to not try at all or to quit trying altogether, right? Like you can't do this. You can't live up to this standard. You can't do these things that God wants you to do. So why would you even try? That's condemnation. That's not of God. And that's not what you should get from God's word. However, there is something called conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation comes from the devil. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. This is where he challenges us and, 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 and kind of pleads with us and beckons us, if you will, and calls us to maybe change some areas of our life so that we can live the blessed life that he's created us to live. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. And so the areas that we struggle with, we should feel the Holy Spirit kind of pushing us and saying, there's something more for you here. Not, you'll never do it. God's saying, listen, I'm inviting you into my grace so you can struggle, you can wrestle with this, but I want you to try. I want you to to pursue me and to step out in faith, to follow me in these areas of your life because as you respond with faith, God responds to your effort. And so today, I want you to know that I believe that this, as far as for many of you, will be probably something that, that you struggle with and that may convict you today. And I hope that you sense the Holy Spirit and not condemnation. And I do want to also say this, is that here's the deal. A, a few months ago, I was talking with someone who works in the healthcare industry. And they, they provide health, you know, nutrition and healthcare and physical activity. And they, give, they have these clients and they, they give them the best advice they can and try to help them to overcome some of these issues and struggles. And, and he was wrestling with, he's like, man, I'm, I'm investing a lot into these people and I want to see them change. And man, I want what's best for them, but they just don't listen to me right? They won't do what I tell them to do. I say, if you eat that stuff, it's not good for you. And they keep eating that stuff. And I was like, oh, that's me, man. I do what you, I don't, you know, like, and I say, if you will do these things, you're going to feel better. You're going to be healthier and you'll do that thing. And I said, here's the deal that you have to understand is that your responsibility is just to give them the best advice and, and, and guidance that you can. What they do with it is up to them, right? That's up to them. You can't, you can't control what they do with the advice you give them. That's on them. It's kind of like raising kids, right? You raise them the best way you can, and then eventually they get to a place where they go, you got to choose this for yourself. I can't make you do this anymore. You need to choose what's best for you yourself. And it's the same way with me. Listen, every week I get up here and I teach, and I told him this. I said, I teach God's word, and a lot of the people don't do what I tell them to do. They just don't do it. And I counsel with them, and I say, well, you know, if you go back to that series, like, from a year and a half ago, and you watch, you know, those three parts of that series, I talked all about this. And so, why don't you just go back, you know, it's not my job, but here's the thing, I'm not offended, okay? Because, listen, we all struggle. I don't do stuff that I should do, right? Like, that's the wrestling match that when that's the grace of God that allows us that ability to to have that struggle. And so I want to say this. It's not my responsibility to make you do anything. It is my responsibility to preach the entire truth of God's word. What you do with it, that's, that's between you and the Lord. 
okay? And so today's message specifically, how you respond to this, that's between you and God. It doesn't change how I feel about you. It doesn't change how this church will minister to you, how they will love you, how we'll support you. It's all good. Say, it's all good. Okay. So today's message will challenge you, but, and I, if, again, if you trust me, and, and this is my heart, God isn't trying to get something from you. This church isn't trying to get something from you. I want something for you. God wants something for you. He wants you. He's inviting you into the blessed life. But a lot of times, pastors only get up and talk about money when the church is in financial crisis, when the church has a need. And so to prove my point, I wanted our treasurer, who serves on our executive leadership team, Bob, to share a quick word with you. So turn your attention to the screen. Well, good morning, Adventure Church. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Bob Santa, and I serve on the executive leadership team as your treasurer. We wanted to just take a few minutes today and provide a brief update on our church from a financial perspective. So I thought we would just touch on a couple highlights about how we operate and where we currently stand today. First off, we operate very lean for a church of our size. Kyle and the staff work hard to ensure expenses are kept as low as possible. We do this intentionally for a couple key reasons. One, we're able to achieve a strong margin each month, which allows us to save for the future. And two, we've been able to operate with no debt, which relieves any potential pressure and affords us tremendous flexibility when making financial decisions. Now for where we stand today. We've diligently saved since starting Adventure Church over four years ago now, and currently have a full year of operating expenses available in cash. Of course, a portion of this will be used for our future land and building purchases as we continue to grow. So in closing, I just wanted to communicate that our church is in a very healthy position financially. We're thankful for God allowing us to operate successfully and prepare for our future. And lastly, thank you for partnering with us in continuing our mission of helping people discover new life in Christ. Can we give God praise for the position that our church is in right now? Listen, that's not normal, okay? And here's the deal. And some of you are going, wow, they have a full year of operating expenses in the bank. Yes, we do. But I want to say this. That doesn't mean we don't need more resources, right? Because here's, here's how God works. The vision always precedes the provision. God responds to our faith. We have a big vision here at Adventure Church. This community is in desperate need of the life-changing message that only comes from Jesus Christ. There's thousands of people moving in our community. In this building and in our future, we don't have the space to, to adequately reach the people that God's placed us here to reach. And so you've heard us talk before about looking for land and, and purchasing a building and building a building, whatever God would present us the opportunity. And so that's one of the reasons we've been so diligent to save is because we know the future is going to require it. It's going to demand it from us. But it's going to take more people, more resources to get to where I believe God is leading our church. But we are not in a financial crisis. And I've done that intentionally since day one. We've created margin in our life. One, because it's a biblical way to live your own life individually, right? Because here's what margin does. It it, it lets me sleep at night. Right? Same thing it does for your finances. Many churches, and it's not because of, of you know, whatever the case may be, but, but I have pastor friends who have planted churches, and this is still a church plant, we're still four years into this, that live offering to offering like a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck. And if there's a bad offering week, they don't know what to do. We can't, I can't 
I can't get paid this week, or I can't pay our staff, or we have to call the the landlord because we can't afford to pay the rent, and they're in a financial strain, and so we've intentionally created margin to prepare for our future, but also because I don't like that pressure, (laughs) just be honest with you. And so financially, we're in a good spot, and I want you to know that, and that's why today I'm telling you that that I'm not trying to get something from you. If, If we had a need, I would just tell you. If there was a need that we couldn't pay for, I would just say, church, there's a need, and we can't pay for it, and so here's what it is, because this isn't just my church, it's your church. It's our church. We're in this together. And so today, as we hit this topic on tithing, and oh, I just said it. There it is. Cat's out of the bag. Look at your neighbor and go, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, here we go. The, the, the topic of tithing, I want you to know that it's not because we need you to do something, it's because I really believe this is the key, and from the teaching I've done, from the study I've done in God's scripture, that this is the key to unlocking the blessed life in your resources, and your finances. And so as we get into that, I was reminded is when we started this church, and, and we've talked about this topic before in the history of our church, and I remember we were about four months into this church plant, and I was calling my pastor in Texas, who's my mentor and my coach, and I just said, hey, pastor, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing this financial series, and, and I wasn't sure how soon should I talk about tithing and, and money. You know, we'll talk about debt and, and how that causes problems and how to budget and do all those things. And man, some of you have signed up for Dave Ramsey's financial peace class, and that's great. Stay committed to that plan, all those things. And I said, but I, I'm a little concerned. I don't want people to get the wrong idea that, that we're out to get something from them and that, hey, this new church is just here, and they're like every other church, and the pastor just wants your money because he needs a new car and he wants to do that, you know, like whatever it may be. I didn't want that perception. And so I just said, pastor, how soon should I talk about money? Like how soon is too soon? And he just simply replied with this. He said, Kyle, when do you want your people to be blessed? I said, I want them to be blessed now. He said, then teach them the biblical principle of what it means to tithe and to be, invite them into the blessing that I have for them. In Matthew, in Malachi, I'm sorry, Malachi chapter three, verses six through 12. This is how the prophet is explaining to God's people at this time who were in a difficult season. There was famine. They weren't doing well. And, and this is what the prophet says, speaking on the Lord's behalf. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. We got to stop right there for a second. This is a biblical principle that God says, I do not change. How many of you ever heard God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He doesn't change. He is who he is, what he says. It does not change. God doesn't change. We have to believe that. Okay, and I'm going to get into this a little bit, but some people think when it comes to this area of tithing that God changed his mind from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that he decided to change on that. But it's, it's interesting that, that he starts out this, this, this passage and he says, hey, get, let's get this straight. I don't change. I'm the same. He says this, so you, the descendants of Jacob, God's people, the Israelites, you're not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees. You've not kept them. A decree is an official order given by a legal authority. So God has given a decree saying, this is the order. This is what you need to do. And he's saying, you've turned away from what I've told you to do. I've told you to live a certain way. You're not doing that. They weren't doing what God told them to do. So he says this. He he invites them, return to me, 
Step out in faith, come back to me, and says, I'll return to you. This is another principle we see throughout the New Testament, where James says, draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. They said, if you seek after God, you'll find him, that God's knocking at the door all the time, and when you open the door, God comes in, that God responds to faith. That's how this thing works with us and the Lord. He says, so when you return to me, I'm going to return to you. But you ask, how are we to return? What should we do? What are we doing that we're not doing? He says this, will a mere mortal rob God? Think about that. A mortal, how could you rob God? He says, but yet you're robbing me. And you go, well, how are we robbing you? Right, that's their response. How, what are we doing? How are we robbing from you? And then he gets into it. He tells them the decree, that what they're missing and, and the reason that they're facing these consequences. He says, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, consequences, your whole nation. They were in famine. Their crops, they survived off of farming. They were, they, they were, the weather was messed up. There was bugs eating their crops. He says, you're cursed, all of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe back into the storehouse, the house of God, so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, the blessed life, that there will not even be room enough for you to store all of it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields. You won't drop, they won't drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. He lays out this biblical principle of tithing, and before we get into that, we have to clarify that tithing is different from giving. It says tithe and offerings. Tithing means tenth. It means one-tenth, ten percent of your income, of your increase, whatever God blesses you with, belongs to the Lord. And we have to, we talked about this week one, it's where you have to get a godly perspective on your resources where you say, it all belongs to him. It's all God's, and I'm not an owner, I'm a steward. I, I steward this, I'm a manager of what God's giving me. So tithing is returning, it's not giving, you're returning back to God the first 10% of your income to his church. Leviticus 27.30 says a tithe of everything from the land, everything that you get, this is how they made their living, everything you get from the land, a tithe of that, whether grain from the soil, fruit from the trees, that belongs to the Lord. It is holy, which means to be set apart, designated for another purpose. It is to be set apart for the Lord. So tithing is returning, it's not giving. You're returning a percentage, 10%, back to God. So if God gives you $100, you give 10 back to him. And the, the biblical perspective is, is that God allows me to keep 90 and only give 10. You see, but we're like, oh, I got to give 10? God wants 10? But the biblical perspective is it all comes from him. Every good gift comes from the Lord. Every bit of increase you have comes from him. And so it's all his. He asks for 10% back. We have to get a godly perspective on our money. We're stewards. We're managers. We're not owners. And it says you bring that to the storehouse, the house of God, not wherever we want, but the house of the Lord. We find this in Deuteronomy 26. I'm paraphrasing today. It says take your, your tithe to the place where God makes his name abide. It goes on in the end of that chapter and it says don't use the tithe for anything other than giving it to the Lord. Don't remove from his house and put in your house what belongs in his house. It's his. And I believe this is because this is how God has set up his kingdom to work. So tithing is giving, 
my first and best so God can bless the rest. I'll say that again. This is kind of the idea behind this. God is, I'm giving God my first and best so he can bless the rest. But the problem is, is we live in a culture that says when we give, we end up with less. <laughs> right? Well, how does that make sense? I give, I don't have as much. But God, it's the principle of the upside down kingdom. Jesus said, you're more blessed. There's going to be more blessing. You're unlocking the ability for me to bless when you give first. It's more blessed to give to receive in, in many ways. And so when we give to God, it's just not true. We, we have more when we give. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. And next week we're going to talk about this principle and how it goes throughout the New Testament, Old Testament. This idea of bringing our first fruits to God. It says bring the first fruits of all of your crops. Then, when you do that, then your barns will be filled to overflowing your vats will brim over with new wine. So God is saying, when you trust me, when you step out in faith and follow me, that he responds to that with his faithfulness. So today I want to give you some biblical basics of tithing and what it means to tithe and why we do it. The first one is this. Tithing provides for God's work through his church. This is how we function. We, we at Adventure Church, just so you know, this is how we do all that we do is through the donations that you give us. We don't have any outside organizations at this point. When we first started, there were some outside churches, and our network would help support us financially just because we didn't have the resources to, to do everything. But we've been independent now for about three years from that, and, and, and we operate fully on what comes in from our offerings. And Malachi said, you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, that, 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 that the church can function and accomplish the mission that I have for it. And many scholars believe, as you study this, that this is an Old Testament picture of the New Testament church. That the priest and the pastor would take the first fruits and, and the tithe and they would use it to fund the needs of the temple. That's how the temple survived. That's how they did it. And Adventure Church, I want you to know this. We steward our finances very well. And you saw from Bob in the video, I wanted you to hear from him, not just me. We, we do this with intentionality, and I've explained some of those reasons already, but also because here's what I believe. As you bring your tithe here, it's not mine. You're not giving that to me. You're not giving that to this church. You're giving that to the Lord. And so how I will stand in account before the Lord one day for how I stewarded his money, because it's not mine. And so we operate in a way that I want to say, God, I did the very best I could with what you brought in, because it's your money. And I would never want to misuse or mismanage your money. And so we have high accountability on our finances. Every, our ELT, they see reports every month. They see where money's going. They see what's happening. And we're, we're diligently practicing these principles within our own church so that we can steward your resources, God's resources, the best way. So tithing is how God provides his work through the church. And tithing, secondly, what we find biblically, tithing is a test. Some of you are like, what test, right? How many of you ever showed up for school one time? The teacher's like, all right, now put your books away. We have a test. And you were like, what test, right? right? A lot of God's people are unaware that he's testing you, that there's a test. And he explains it in scripture. And here's what the test is. Will you put God first? That's how God is testing you. Deuteronomy 14, 23 says the purpose of the tithe is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Always put God first. You see, a tithe is what we do. We tithe the first day of the week. We give it to the Lord Sunday. You show up for church. God, I honor you with my time. 
God, I serve you. I, I serve and, and I give of myself. So I, I tithe on my, the, the first of every week. I tithe the first of every day where I give time to the Lord and I, I invest in my relationship with him. You know, we, we, we give of ourselves the first of every year. We take the first 21 days of the, of the year in January and we, we tithe of that and we give of ourselves to fasting and prayer. And, and we, we put God first. And, and tithing is, a, is an area where God says, I'm testing you to see if I'm first. And if you put me first in the area of your resources and your finances, more than likely everything else is going to follow. Because as we talked about in week one, Jesus said, for wherever your treasure is, your heart follows. And he connects those things. And God's after your heart. He's not after your money. Because he knows when he has your resources, he has your heart. When he has all of your heart, man, he can really do an amazing work in your life. You can live the blessed life. But it often starts here with our money. So we seek God first. And God's testing us to see if we'll put him first in the area of our resources. Because he knows if we do that, we'll put him first in other areas. And we can tangibly see how real our faith is when it comes to our finances. You can tangibly see it. How real your faith. And it takes faith to give first, right? It doesn't take faith to give last. It takes faith to give first. Where we take the first 10% and we give it to the Lord. And we entrust it into God's kingdom. And we give first. And every time you give, you're saying, God, I trust you and I want you more than fill in the blank. I'm putting you first. So there's a test that's happening in our lives. And, and God is inviting you into his blessing, but you have to pass the test to get the rewards of what God says belongs to those who put him first. And it requires faith to get first. And, and you may be sitting here and you go, Kyle, listen, it's going to take major changes for me to begin to tithe. And I would say this, yes, to see major changes in your finances, you're probably going to have to make major changes. To see God's blessing, you're going to have to make some changes. He goes on in Malachi 8, chapter 3, 8 through 9. He says, will a man rob God? And rob is such a, to me, such a strong word, like stealing from God. Yet you rob me, but you ask, how do we do this? He says, in your tithes and offerings, you're under a curse. Your finances are cursed because you're robbing me. And what a contradiction we make when we're essentially robbing our benefactor, the one who is blessing us. And he says, you're cursed, which means God had punished them with famine and, and scarcity through unseasonable weather and insects and, and the fruits of the crop weren't there. That was their means of income. He's saying, you're cursed because you're robbing me. Essentially saying, when we rob God, we're really robbing ourselves. And when we get a biblical perspective on our resources, we believe that God can do more with the 90 than we can do with the 100. God can take the 90% farther than I can take the 100% on my own without his blessing. And I don't know about you, I've tithed since I was 14 years old. I've always tithed. It's always been a principle that I practice. And a lot of the reason is, is because I don't want a curse on my finances. I want God's blessing on my finances. And I could tell you story after story, I'm going to share one in a minute, of how God has blessed us. But it starts with this test. And then we have to ask ourselves, are we passing God's test? He clearly explains that. But I know some of you have been around church long enough and, and, and you're sitting here and you're going, well, Kyle, tithing was Old Testament. I believe that Jesus did away with, with, with the Old Testament law, and that was the Old Testament law. But I want to share with you a couple of scriptures where, where we can see that I believe that tithing went throughout 
before the law, during the law, and after the law. And the, the, the Old Testament law was what the law that God gave through Moses to really govern his people. And so when Jesus came, some people would argue that that law is now done with. We're operating not under the law, but under grace. And we are, but I don't believe we do away with the law because Jesus himself said he didn't come to do away with the law. In Genesis 14, 18 through 20, Melchizedek was a high priest and Abram and, and brought some, some wine to him. Melchizedek blessed Abram with his blessing. He blessed, said, blessed be Abram uh, by God, most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. And it says, then Abram, so Abraham was conquering battles. It said, gave Melchizedek, who was what they're saying, the Old Testament, the scholars are saying, was a representative of who Jesus was, a tenth of all the goods he recovered. So this was well before the Old Testament law, 500 years before, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, the high priest, and our spiritual father, Abraham, we all come from Abraham, right? You guys remember the song? Father Abraham had many sons, many sons. Some of you grew up in church, some of you didn't. Okay. Uh, that he gave a tithe to who scholars believe was Jesus, represented our high priest, Father Abraham. And then goes on in Genesis 28, Jacob made this vow, and he said, if God will, will be for me and bless me on this journey, he says, I will present to him a tenth of everything he gives me, 400 years before the law. Then we go to the New Testament, and I've already been t- speaking from the law in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, these, these instructions that God gave his people. And then in the New Testament, and Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, he's talking to the religious people, and he says, you're hypocrites because you're, you're careful to tithe even on the tiniest income from your herb garden, saying like, you're not even just tithing on, you know, your crops and the fruit of your gardens, you're tithing on the spices you're doing, you're, you're so careful, you're, you're, on the law about the tithe, but you're ignoring even more important aspects of the law, like justice, mercy, and faith. Then Jesus says, you should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important thing. And so tithing is a principle that Jesus still supported, and he says, well, look, these religious people were like, well, I tithe, and so I don't have to love people. I don't have to have compassion for people. Because I tithe, I'm exempt from the other stuff. Jesus is going, no, you got to do both. That's my kingdom. And for me, when I studied the Old Testament law and, and, and the commands that Jesus gave, in every area of the Old Testament law, Jesus raised the standard, right? The Ten Commandments, right? He said, you should do not murder. Jesus says, if you hate someone in your heart, you're guilty of murder. He says, do not commit adultery, the Old Testament law. And then Jesus says, you're guilty of adultery if you lust after a woman in your heart. So in every other area of the, the Old Testament law, Jesus raises the standard, of how his followers should pursue it, knowing that we would need him and his grace to do it. That's another lesson for another day. But why would Jesus then, in an area that he spent two-thirds of his ministry, Jesus had three years of public ministry where he was teaching and proclaiming his message of truth, and he spent two-thirds of his time teaching on money and possessions. And it just doesn't make any sense to me that Jesus, in all other areas of his teaching, would raise the standard and then lower the standard when it came to the topic that he talked about the most. It just doesn't make sense. So biblically, I believe that the tithe is an Old Testament and New Testament principle where God is inviting you into his blessing. He wants to bless you, desires to do so. So tithing is a test that God is putting to us to. And then thirdly, tithing builds my faith in God. What does tithing do? It's a biblical thing where God is providing for his work through his church. It's a test that he's putting me to to see if I will put him first in every area of my life. And Jesus connected 
our money, with our, with our, our hearts. He says, I want all of you because if I have all of you, I can really bless you. And then thirdly, it builds my faith in God. Jesus said, you can test me in this. See if I won't. This is the only area of scripture where God invites you to test him. Any other area of your life to test God would be sinful. But when it comes to your money, he said, test me in this. Begin to tithe. Bring it into my storehouse. See that I won't. I love that. See that I won't. Test me in this. Can't you feel the arrogance of God a little bit? He can be arrogant. He's God. But just saying, test me in this. See that I won't do it. Test me. Tithe my, bring it into the storehouse. See that I won't. I get excited about that. He says, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven. I'll pour out so much blessing, your bank accounts won't have room to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. If this was today, I'll prevent the, the, your stock from going down. I'll prevent these things. I'll protect it. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land says the Lord Almighty. You see, it's not just a test for you. It is. But it's also a way for you to test God. It's a two-way test. And God says, see, that when you step out in faith, when you put me first in your life, that I won't bless it. That I won't bless your resources. See that I won't. Test me in this. Prove me wrong. God invites you to test him and says, when you respond with faith to God, because it takes faith to give first, takes faith to tithe, to trust God with something that's so valuable to us. He says, but when you do, he says, I always respond to your faith with more of my faithfulness. You can't outgive me. Test me. Try me in this. Today, I don't want you just to hear a testimony from me because I can share stories. And I just want to share one and then we're going to show a quick video. But uh, uh, the end of last year, then we're preparing now in, in November, we'll take up our yearly missions offering where we encourage you to give above and beyond your normal offerings and ties to to bless things going on outside of Adventure Church and all the organizations that we support through our missions program here. And last year, uh, we had an unexpected money come our way. And in week one, I talked about that the definition of greed, according to scripture, is the assumption that everything comes to me is for me. It's the assumption consumption that everything that God gives to me is for me. And I, and I, and I got this blessing. And so Jess and I were preparing to uh, redo our kitchen countertops. We wanted to put granite in. We'd only lived in our house. We wanted to update it. And so I'd gotten in, uh, invo- you know, quotes and had people come out and give estimates. And, and I was right here in worship one day. And, and I was worshiping. And God said, Kyle, that money's not for you. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know I'm preaching this stuff and all that. But we're going to give in the missions offering. He says, no, I want all of that money for the missions offering. I said, oh, but Lord, Jess is going to be devastated. She is so looking forward to getting this kitchen the way she wants. And she'd be like, whatever, you were looking forward more than me. Uh, and so, so I kind of r- wrestled with it for a while. And all through worship, God just kept telling me again, no, you're going to give all of it. Next week, give all of it. Give all of it. And I went home. I told Jess. She was like, yeah, I'm with you. Let's do it. Who cares? You know, God says it. Let's do it. So I got up and told the church, that, hey, I'm just like you. <laughs> I wrestle with greed too. I want it all for me. I wanted to do it. God told me. I simply obeyed, and I just encouraged you with that. Hey, whatever God's saying to you, just do what he's telling you to do. Be obedient to what God's putting on your heart. Well, two weeks later, someone in our church came up to me, and they said, hey, Kyle, man, you know, what you did, that was really awesome, and, and I really felt like God put on my heart that he wants me to put in your countertops for you. And I was like, listen, man, that's definitely not what this was about. You know what I mean? I wasn't, you know, saying that. So you go, oh, poor pastor, he's so faithful. Let's, you know, I wasn't trying to get sympathy. I was really trying to encourage you. 
And he said, I said, so I'm not going to let you do that, man. You don't need to do that. He said, listen, you'll be, I will be disobeying God if you don't let me do this for you. God's telling me that I'm supposed to do this for you. And I said, well, man, if, if that's how, if you that, feel that strong about it, then yeah, man, let's, let's do it. So he set me up and we, we were able to, we were blessed enough to where literally like what we were planning on putting in twice as nice what we were able to put in with the help of this guy, this family. Because God responds to our faith with his faithfulness. And I share that with you, encourage you. And I could tell you all kinds of other stories in my life where God has just, where he's just challenged me to be obedient. And we were, and God blessed us for being obedient, for putting him first. So don't just believe me. Here's a quick tithing testimony video from Adam. I actually do remember when I uh, first started tithing, my parents got saved when I was young, um, very young, and you know, we attended the local Catholic church, and when we moved, we started going to uh, uh, Assemblies of God Church, and they started learning about tithing, and I started getting an allowance about then, and they said, you know, 10%, and I remember making 50 cents, you know, in, in allowance and having to give a, you know, give a nickel to God. The, the money that I make, the money that we have, is a result of God blessing me over time. There's no doubt in my mind. But I was never someone to go work 70, 80 hours a week in a job. I believed in life balance, uh, that I needed to spend time with my family, that I needed to volunteer and, and uh, work with the local church. So I didn't obsess over um, my career and just trying to uh, increase the amount of money I made that, that just wasn't important to me but as we gave and as we invested in the in the local church and, and other missions projects and youth programs and uh, the homeless and you know just different things we've given to over the years God's been faithful and um, of course I had to work hard in my job but you know the, the rate that my salary's gone up doesn't you know seem it's, it's you can't explain it I know it's probably easy for you know a lot of people to say, Adam, you've always tithed. Um, you, you don't know. Or for some of you out there, maybe sitting here and saying, I'm doing okay where I am without tithing. And that that may be true. What you don't know, and will you will you will not know until you do it, is what it could be. And. You know, if, if we go back into KidVenture and we look at those kids back there and all of you as parents, it's like, you want the best life for those kids that are back there. Just like I want the best life that are as possible for my kids. And I, I think it would be uh, awesome for each of you guys to say, all right, dad, God, what is it that you can have for me if I'm faithful? Um, I just think there's so many hurting people and needy people and uh, people like us that have been blessed that can help them um, and that that we should and God's faithfulness is can never be underestimated so God's putting us to the test and I just want to say this every person I've ever talked to about this who who has followed God in this way and again about 80% of church on a national level this is an issue this is something that's always been hard for them to grasp and to 
have the faith to trust God with. But every person I talk to that tithes, they always say they're blessed. And that doesn't mean that they don't have tough times. It doesn't mean that there's not times where there's financial stress or strain. But what they can say is, is that I know God will provide because I've been faithful here. I don't stress about it because it's God's to worry about because I've been faithful to do what he's told me to do. The rest is on him. And that's how I feel. It doesn't mean that, you know, when Jess and I stepped out in faith to plant this church, I mean, it was a financial all-in kind of thing. We didn't have any idea what was going to happen. So, of course, there's like, man, is this going to be it? But I didn't stress because I knew that God would be faithful to me. He's proven himself over and over again and desires to do that to me. But when I talk to people who don't tithe, they're always like, man, we can't afford to do it. And to me, that makes sense. Well, yeah, you probably can't afford to because your finances haven't been blessed by the Lord because you're withholding you're not returning you're not bringing back to him what's his and and I would say this that maybe you'll never be able to afford to until you do it until you step out in faith and trust God and see him he says test me in this I love how Martin Luther said it he said I've held many things in my hands and I've lost them all but whatever I've placed in God's hands that I still possess God's inviting you into the blessed life. He's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something for you. And it's us saying, God, I'm putting you first. I'm committing to give you my first and best so that you can bless the rest. A godly perspective on my money. I believe that you can take the 90% farther than I can take the 100 on my own. God, I want your blessing. Today, I just want to challenge you with this is for you to do the same thing that God spoke to me. Kyle, are you willing to be obedient? Are you willing to trust me? And just say, God, what are you saying to me? And don't you dare feel condemned. If you feel condemned, that's not from God, it's from the enemy. But if you feel convicted, it's the Holy Spirit inviting you in to experience all that he has for you. He's inviting you into the blessed life. But God cannot go against himself. He cannot go against his word. This is a biblical principle, and in the weeks to come, we're going to build even a further foundation upon this to give you the scriptural truth that comes from this. But God is inviting you in to do it his way and to believe and to fully trust when you put him first in this area. He'll be first in every area. Would you stand with me today? We're going to sing a song, and that's all I'm asking you to do is just say, God, what are you saying to me? Speak to my heart, Lord as I commit to put you first. Lord, we love you. We fully believe we could never outgive you. God, I'll never struggle with this because how could I wrestle with, with 10% when you gave 100% of your son? God, I could never outgive you. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that you invite us into this blessed life, that we can test you in this. And so, Lord, I pray for those here today that, that may be feeling your Holy Spirit challenging them and pushing them in this direction. God, that they would sense, God, the invitation to fully experience all that you have for them. So Lord, we trust you. We put you first. In Jesus' name, amen.